Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. I'm a big fan, so I was very <laughs> excited that you asked me. <laughs> well, can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Absolutely. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, with a food-loving mom who loved to cook and try new recipes for new cookbooks. So we didn't often have the same thing for dinner twice, which is kind of disappointing when I loved something. Um, but one of my best childhood memories is just our our Saturday morning grocery procuring pilgrimages where we would go to our local farmer's market and we'd go to Mostalone's, which was this tiny Italian grocery store owned by Mrs. Mostalone, who would be uh, making fresh mozzarella and her art, she had these like big arms that would be like flapping along <laughs> and she would give me a taste and we would go to this little Egyptian grocery store and stack up on olives and halva and um, just just go home with all these goodies. And it was so exciting to see what my mom would concoct from them. <laughs> That's really an exciting way to grow up, I think. Wow. I feel and really lucky. Yeah, yeah. I remember I was thinking recently about my mom, like how on Long Island we, we didn't have that kind of abundant diversity of things. And like when one day my mom was obsessed with cooking with vulgar wheat and we went to like a million stores <laughs> and no, no one had it. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> and then you you went on to study creative writing and anthropology at Columbia. So how did food become such a major force in your life? I really have always loved food. Um, those those like hanging out in my mom's kitchen always felt like a great place to be. I loved going to restaurants. I, I felt like the kitchen was at the heart of where the action was. And um, in college, I wanted to have a job and I was reading Kitchen Confidential at the time and I thought that I wanted to work in a restaurant and I found a job on Craigslist as a hostess for a very old school Michelin starred French restaurant <laughs> on the Upper West Side called Picholine. And I just fell in love, I fell in love with this whole world that felt both kind of familiar and foreign to me. Um, familiar because that excitement about food and and ingredients and what they could become and um, that felt so innate to what I cared about but this whole world of fine dining in New York City was a new territory for me and it was intimidating and fascinating and very alluring <laughs> to my 18 year old self for sure and I so much so that I um, really dove in and worked in restaurant jobs throughout college and thought that I wanted to have my own restaurant until I spent a bunch of years managing restaurants and then <laughs> realized that I wanted to be close to restaurants, but that maybe the day-to-day -day operations wasn't the best fit for me. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> it's a hard life for sure. Um, and so you really got super into cheese. Um, there's so much cheese in your books um, and you have a very deep expertise about it. You know, what is it about cheese that keeps you excited, engaged, like, and just really obsessed? There's so many things about cheese that I keep coming back to. One is just that whenever I tell people, like I work with cheese or, you, you know, people really love it like there is something about cheese that just has a power to make people happy I, yeah. I don't know what it is but <laughs> so there's that and I mean I'm one of them so yeah um but I think there's also something cool that there's this whole history and tradition and world 
of cheese. I mean, mostly from, from Europe, um, but that you, you can start with, cheese only has a few ingredients. It's milk, salt, culture, and rennet. And from those ingredients, you can make like a uh, creamy brie, or you could make like a super aged Gouda that tastes like mm -hmm. butterscotch, or you could make like a really nutty cheddar. And it's just, I think it's kind of this magical alchemy that you just take yeah. milk and you can get so much from it. And then I've also really gotten fascinated by learning about um, how cheese has played a part in humanity and how, <laughs> you know, in Alp Alpine cheeses kept people in the mountains, like basically alive through these long, brutal winters and um, cheese is just, and in, in, in Greece, it's like the fresh cheese and feta and um, it's just, it's like a, such a integral part of all these cuisines. And then in today's world, there is also something about cheese that just seems to attract some really quirky and really amazing people. So I've, I've just loved getting to know the cheese makers and mongers that I've gotten to connect with. Right. And you know, your forthcoming memoir, Plenty, is about forging a career in a community around food. And, you know, when did you know that you wanted to move from the restaurant and retail side of food to food media? And how did you make that happen? It's funny that you say that. I just had this kind of um, like pep talk with my husband because I still work in a way in the retail side of food. I do a lot of food copywriting, which is kind of how I pay my bills. Um, but it's very true that my love is more, is right, memoir is my next book that's coming out. And I love writing personal essays and I love writing some journalism as well. Um, and I've kind of, it's kind of been slow because I think there's a part of me, like like this is, is, is the big dream and it feels like too good to be true or it feels intimidating. Um, it's definitely not the easiest way in the world to make money. Um, it's definitely like a slow, a slow burn, you know, a book. I know you're, you're in the process, so you know how, what a long haul yeah. it is. It sucks. Um, it sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and it's like this low hanging fruit of things yeah. that I can like do and get paid for is much more instantly gratifying. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons that I've been kind of reluctant to like dive in um, but the more I have, the more I felt happy. I mean, I, it's really, so I, I'm really trying to kind of find that balance between work that pays the bills and work that brings me creative, juicy joy. <laughs> right. And why do you think you focused on memoir? Because this is your second. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and people ask, I think like totally rightfully so they ask like, you know, I'm relatively young. I mean, I'm not that, I'm, I'm 30, I'm almost 34, but that's relatively young. I was 30 when my first book came out. Like, right, who are you to be like sharing your, your life? <laughs> no, story? I'm not what asking kind of... that question. No, no I'm I saying, know, yeah, but... what is, what is a, as a John, like what, what about memoir engages you so much? Yeah. I just, I feel that I've always had this kind of compulsion to share per, like maybe to transform things that happen in my life yeah. into something. Uh, to make something of them. When I was in middle school, I wrote a zine about like my, me and my friends. <laughs> I just like, I, I just love telling these stories and it does kind of give 
for me, it does help me like make meaning of things, make sense of things, um, to turn them into stories and, and share them with people. And I do think, you know, some of the, the memoir, my first one was a lot about my eating, struggling with an eating disorder. And I think too, like that whole situation just felt incredibly lonely and difficult and, and really shameful. And then being able to, not that it was easy, but being able to take those, like even like the really embarrassing things and then turn them into something that I could share with other people. It made it feel a little bit worthwhile. And my hope was that some people would feel less alone. And I think that has happened. And so right. it, that feels like another really cool sort of alchemy is like to take something really shitty and make something good, uh, good come of it. Right. And have you found in food writing the same kind of community that you find when you work in a restaurant or in a, in a store that sells, you know, because I think that those places like when I, versus working in a magazine versus working at a bar, it's like the you just it's much more communal. It's like a real sense of in a fight together. And I think that yeah, writing, it's harder to come by. But, you know, you do talk in the, in the book about, about finding a little bit of that. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things I miss from working yeah. in restaurants, for sure. And I think I even mentioned in the book, one of the women, Tammy, who I wrote about, who has this beautiful restaurant, invited me just to like her pre-staff meeting. And just being a part of that, I remembered what I, the, yeah, I really felt like oftentimes when I worked in a restaurant, like it was a sort of a family. And I, yeah. I don't really get that sense from writing. I think writing can be incredibly <laughs> lonely, right? It's like you and your laptop. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think in the book, I spent a little bit more time with the women I wrote about than just if I was writing something quick and I would talk to someone for an hour and then write it and then that would be that. But I tried to spend like day, multiple days and multiple experiences with these people. And that did feel much more rewarding and satisfying in that kind of like connection realm, which I think ultimately I find is what I care about and is one of the things I keep coming back to about food is that, right, um, right is that it, it provides that. But um, that's been one of the biggest challenges of being a full-time writer for me. Yeah, it can be really lonely, especially during the pandemic. Yeah, of course. Yeah, usually we would be able to drink and um, complain <laughs> together. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and like looking back, at, yeah, yeah, like my days would be even just these people that I am writing a quick story about. It was so cool to get to spend like an hour with them at their kitchen, an hour with yeah. them in their olive grove instead of an hour with them on Zoom. Zoom, yeah. That's <laughs> Well, and, you know, the book is also a love letter to women in food, and it brought to mind um, Skirt Steak by Charlotte Druckmann. I'm not sure if you've if you've read that, but, um, you know, it's really, I think, still, even though we're in the year 2021, such a new thing to still talk about women in food and in the kitchen in a way that really captures all the nuance of what gender has meant in food for so long <laughs> like um you know where women have always been cooking but it's the men who have gotten the credit for it and that continues still um and so I wanted to know why you wanted to write 
the book about the women you've worked with in food? Do you think that women in food are getting more attention? Like, um, you know, what what is kind of your perspective on how how things have changed or how they've stayed the same in terms of the ways we talk about gender and food? Um, yeah, it's kind of astonishing how far we still have to go, I think, how, right, how, how although women have been cooking and feeding people forever, um, men, when men do so, it seems to automatically get taken more seriously mm -hmm. and get uh, garnered more respect and more rewards, uh, rewards and awards and all of that. But um, I, I do feel really hopeful. And one of my reasons for writing about women in food was kind of selfish. I was kind of answering for myself why mm -hmm. I, I've had so many food jobs and men have almost always been my mentors and my bosses and oftentimes my coworkers and just like, why was that? Um, and the book started out when I was just in the really early idea stage. I had, I was thinking a little bit more about sort of profiles of more prominent um, big deal women in the food world. But then I, I kind of was more interested in people in the trenches doing this work every day. Um, and I did find myself completely inspired and impressed. And um, it, it just made me feel like if, if these women's stories are in any way representative, which I think they are, that there's going to be a much more, and, and I think too, in these last few years, people are paying a little bit more attention about the voices they're listening to and um, caring more about where their food is coming from. And I, I, I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic. <laughs> yeah, and you write so candidly and vividly about your experiences with an eating disorder, a miscarriage, pregnancy. Why has it been you know, so significant to your work to document those vulnerable aspects of womanhood? You know, and, and, and how do you decide, because I think every writer is always making these choices. You know, how do you decide what to t tell people and what to keep to yourself? You know, how, do you, how do you walk that line? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, these kind of personal things are, do occupy such a big part of my headspace and heart space. And so not sharing about them would feel like I was missing such a big part of the story. Um, and I think just like same, same thing about how eating disorders to me felt like so secretive and so shameful and then getting to share really like shifted something about that. I think that was a similar situation with having a miscarriage, which I didn't was kind of surprised because I, mm -hmm. I hadn't really thought much about that whole thing until until I experienced it. And then I started to realize that like, I knew, I, I why didn't people talk about this? And I was almost like hungry for these stories. And I was so like, I, I heard, I watched on YouTube about Beyonce's miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so heartened to read about Michelle Obama's miscarriage. Of course, not because this happened to these people, <laughs> but just to be like, okay, like this is a part of life. and. Yeah. I'm not alone. So being able to kind of pass that along and um, like diminish some of the weird stigma and silence, I think is really important to me. 
Um, yeah, and I pretty much, I think that is such a fine line, hard question as someone who writes about personal things, right? Is how personal, how much? Um, and one of my writing teachers that I really admired um, kind of reminded me that, you know, we also get to decide what we don't share. Right. So that has always have been like, I think that's just as important, right? As what we do. Right. And um, I share a lot. Like I, I yeah. really <laughs> do like try, I do like open my heart to the page, but I think of it just as kind of one one part of me and like one right. part of the story. And um, and then sometimes, you know, and then sometimes like you look, I look back on it and I, and I cringe, but I think that's life too. <laughs> I think that's definitely life as a writer where you, you you put things out there and you see what lands and you try to, I mean, so much of understanding writing comes from how people interact with it. I think even more so than what we, we think we're doing when we write. <laughs> but um, one thing I wanted to ask you is because I don't think we hear enough about what it's like to be a writer and a mother. And when people do write memoirs about this, I'm thinking of like um, Rachel Cusk's A Life's Work. Uh, people are wildly critical. Like you are just not supposed to talk about being a mother and being a writer because I don't know why. Um, but, you know, as a freelance writer, especially, you know, you, you write, it's about you have, we have a life of like constant anxiety where it's like, what, when, when is our next work coming? When is this check coming? You know, can I, do I have the, the stamina today to write anything at all? Um, and so how has motherhood changed your relationship both to writing and to food, if it has? Yeah, I have to say, so I've been a mother. I also, I became a mother right as the pandemic started in April of 2020. So everything changed in the world and everything changed in my little world. And sometimes it's hard for me to separate out like which was which. <laughs> and I feel like I'm still like a new, so my daughter is six, about 16 months old. So I'm still, I feel like I'm still very much figuring it out for sure. And I don't have it figured out. I have found the whole, I, I don't think I've ever been so challenged creatively as, in this last year and a half, um, I've found it like enormously, being a mom has been so consuming and relentless and it just really requires like a huge amount of, um, right, such a different part of your brain than writing, but like one part. Um, and then it's hard to find sometimes that energy with the other part. But I've also surprised myself in the, how the process of being becoming a mom has made me value writing and my creative work more in a way. I think it just feels like almost more sacred than it did before. I don't know if that's just the kind of silver lining of having such time constraints that the time <laughs> I do have feels like magical. Um, or because my, in April of 2020, like so many people, my life shrunk in such a way that it was like this tiny world of me and my little family that something about writing and getting to, and, and being a freelancer in a way, just like doing work that felt valuable to someone where I got to connect with other people. And it just felt like really rewarding in a way that being a new mom didn't, cause it was just so like thankless, so much <laughs> of the same like rote tasks over and over again. So it's been interesting, but I think it keeps changing for me. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm pregnant again, I'm expecting another in, around Thanksgiving. So 
I, I'm, I'm, that's one of my biggest fears because I feel like I'm barely managing with one, but I'm also <laughs> really excited and I wouldn't yeah. be doing it if I didn't also find it like such a amazing challenge. Right. Of course. Of course. And for you, is cooking a political act? I think cooking is always a, I thought about this question a lot and I know, um, I know it's like a very much at the heart of your work and that's it. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think it has to be. I think that there's like so many, I think there's a part of me that would like it not to be because right. after a long day, you know, cooking can feel for someone who loves to cook, it can feel like an escape. And I think it can be that and it can still yeah. be political because it's part of, um, right. Who, who is, who create produces makes feeds our world is a political thing so yes <laughs> well thank you so much Hannah for taking the time and um you know great good luck to you with your book launch and everything and and also having another baby which is so exciting <laughs> so 